0: This
1: is Scripture Read Badly, a podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order,
0: attempting to avoid heresy, and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's reading comes from Numbers chapter 21 verse 25. And Israel took all these cities, and Israel settled in all the cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and in all its villages. This is God showing that we are allowed to take whatever the heck we want from other people and treat it like it was our own. My name is Ryan. Welcome to Scripture Read Badly.
1: And my name is Jeremy, and that's definitely my life philosophy. Wow, I can't even say that word. Uh, (laughs) I just take things when I want them, right? Uh, especially chips. I just got a bag from one of my friends who's moving away and it has a star anise in it. And I tried to make tea out of it this morning and it tasted really weird, but I'll change the recipe. That's irrelevant to what we're talking about today. We're going to start in (laughs) Numbers 21, which is, um, another set of passages that shows, uh, God championing his people through, uh, different towns and different tribes and taking villages, But also walking through different villages to get to a different place. But Mm -hmm. then, once again, the people um, complain and speak against God. Which is weird because he keeps proving himself trustable and quite capable of preserving their lives. (laughs) And once again, there's like... Not a disease. What is it? There's a word for it. No, no, no. It was fiery serpents this time. And they come through the people... And Moses has to make a bronze serpent and hold it up on a cross beam and whoever looks at the serpent gets saved and whoever doesn't dies. And this is also quite a big uh, echo or comparative um, story of Jesus and it gets referenced in the New Testament and gets preached about through the liturgical year a few times as I found and Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's just this very Stark picture of... Like
0: Tony Stark?
1: Yeah, a Tony Stark picture with Mm -hmm. Iron Man covering him of... If you live in the reality that God has created us into, you get to live forever. But if you refuse to live in that reality, you have chosen death, ultimately. Mm. Um... I don't know what the Song of the Whale well is in verse 10. I usually skip over songs. Do you do that in the <laughs> Bible? Where you get to like a uh, song and you're like, skip?
0: Not necessarily in the Bible, but in all of Tolkien's books. Yes. Yes, okay. Lord of the Rings <laughs> is half singing and I skip it all. You're just like, nah, thanks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Tom Bombadil. Yeah, no thanks, one wants Tom. to hear you sing. No
1: one's going to put you in the movie. Uh, So, they go through uh, King Sihon and King Og, which are two real solid names. Mm -hmm. And then they get to a place in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And we zoom in on a side story of another king, right? Am I reading that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, The elders of Moab, I think. And they talk about sending a false prophet to the people to... um, Dis-hope is not a word. What's the word I'm looking for? Dis-curse? To discourage? Discourage! That's the word. Boom! Uh, To discourage the people from their victories because there's so many victories going on that God's taking them through. And so, of course, tribes that are in the way of their path are going to be like, how do we stop them? How do we make them think that they're not all that? And I wonder if they knew how weak the their people of Israel's self-image was. Like, if they had just tracked them like, mm. oh, they keep disobeying God and getting trashed. Oh, they keep disobeying God and getting trashed. And so they're like, oh, if we just get them to not think about God so highly, they'll do it again. Or if it was just like a political move that they had tried before with other tri- tribes... But they send Balaam, Balaam, Bulam, or just Bay for short, in to discourage them. And this is quite a funny story because on his way to discouraging the people, on his donkey... Something happens
0: with his donkey. Yeah, do you want to tell the
1: donkey story?
0: Uh, Yeah, when we get there, you can keep going with this and then... We're going to do everyone's favorite segment, which is a five-second summary. So I, I have the timer ready. So just finish out your uh, your description of the passages covered today, and then I'll I'll time you for the five-second recap.
1: Oh, and then oh, and then we go through the donkey passage, and then he does a few oracles back to mm-hmm. the original people that he was sent from, who are then told that God is God, and they're definitely not.
0: Yep, great. Alright, well Jeremy, here we go. I'm about to press start on the timer and this time my headphones are not in the headphone jack so you should be able to hear it on the microphone. Alright, are you ready to summarise numbers 21 to 24? Yeah. Ready Yeah. and go.
1: People disobey, snakes come, donkey talks, God gets praised. Yeah, before the time... (laughs) Well done I'm going to go get the bass guitar I
0: stopped it (laughs) Nice The snakes come Yeah So This is an interesting passage Because up until this point We've really only seen one battle That Israel has had And they defeated the Whoever it was The Moabites Or the Ammonites Or something like that We remember when Moses was being the The Tuscan raider With his arms above his head Right? (laughs) Yep And that was, I think, the only battle that Israel had aside from the confrontation with the uh, the army of Pharaoh, which wasn't necessarily a battle because God fought for them. Uh, so it's it's pretty weird. We did already see that uh, Edom refused passage for the Israelites. They sent out a message and Edom said, no, we'll kill you if you come this way. Yep. Israel's like, whoa, man, all right, fine. And then we have the death of Aaron And then on the back of this Mourning period The Canaanite king of Arad Or Arad He sounds like a a Arad king
1: Arad
0: He lived in the Negev Which remember was the southern part of The uh, the area of Canaan Israel Eventually Um, We remember that from the story of Abraham's Sojournings Uh, he just brought his army down there because he heard that Israel was coming that way and he fought against them and took some of them captive and Israel did the right thing which was to inquire of the Lord and say if you deliver these people into our hands and help them to not harm our mates then we will completely destroy their cities because that's what he told us to do so then God does that and they devoted the cities to destruction is what it says um, what do you think devoting a city to destruction or completely destroying it actually means? Um, And I was just thinking before how
1: doing this chronologically is difficult because then you have to forget about all the things you know later. <laughs> but yeah. uh, in God's discussion of what came to be known as the Just War Theory, it was that they would front up to a city and say hey, we want your city because God wants his city, so will you give this city to us? And usually people are like, nah. And they're like, no, we're serious. We want this city, and if you don't give it to us, we're going to come in and take it. And they'd be like, nah. And then (laughs) they would give limits to the war. Like, we will destroy you until this happens. Either you surrender or you leave the city and we can have the city. Mm -hmm. Or they get down to the last man. And so I think devoting to destruction is until the point at which that city can't function as a city. Because I don't think God's asking them to settle the cities at that time. Mm -hmm. Although later he definitely does. And so it'd be more like until everyone's dead or until everyone's left. Or until everyone uh, surrenders. And so devoted to destruction. And in my mind, I'm thinking... uh, Jericho was this huge castle because that's what we were told in cartoons and in Bible stories in church and it's like that tower in that huge battle in the Lord of the Rings where all of Mm -hmm. those people come down and it's like super well made but I have a feeling that it wasn't that it was more just a settlement and it had an okay wall but maybe it wasn't like a wall like the wall of Vilnius is where I live And so maybe dedicated to destruction was maybe setting on fire the wall and that was it. And then the people would leave because they weren't defended and then the people of Israel could walk through. Um, What do you understand it to mean?
0: Uh, Well, I've had a a couple of thoughts go through my mind regarding this and one of them was my traditional view, which was that they would completely obliterate everything about the city to the point where it just became a memory. You know, yep. they would destroy the walls, they'd burninate all the countryside and burninate and all the peasants <laughs> um, and kill everyone. Um, so that's what my understanding of the term uh, completely destroy or whatever the NIV's translation of that was, but the ESV says devoted to destruction, which I think like you said, um, I agree with you, is to uh, not necessarily crumble all the walls and make sure there's not a structure left standing but to essentially destroy civilization in that area whether that's cutting off water sources and yeah leaving the city in ruins or whether it's killing everyone in the city um and we know from stories throughout this old testament and or, or even not necessarily direct stories like rahab and stuff but uh where it says that this particular person was actually th- from this region like uh David's one of David's mighty men or one of his chiefs or something Aziah um no 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 it was Uriah Uriah I think it was Uriah, yeah, the one that was Bathsheba's husband, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that was his name. Um, I don't think he was an Israelite. I think he came from, I think he was a Hittite or something, but he became integrated with the people of Israel. Um, but I don't think his story is ever explained. It's just implied by the fact that he's labeled as an outsider, essentially. Yeah. So from that, I think we can take it to mean that throughout these different Conquest of these cities throughout these battles and the plundering of villages, the invitation is given to the people to join or die essentially yeah. um, to become grafted in, or else their culture is going to die with them. Yeah, um, so I think with Arad coming through with his Negev army, uh, I think having this Canaanite city completely destroyed or devoted to destruction was um was them either killing everyone or allowing them to become part of israel and uh forsaking their previous life yeah um so i don't think it really matters if there was any burninating involved but if there was then that makes strong bad happy so we're okay with that Um, The Bronze Serpent is a weird follow-up to that, because like you said, they started out really well. It seemed as though with the death of Aaron, they were kind of on the mend. They were on a bit of an upward trend. And then all of a sudden, they are going near the Red Sea, which was down south, further south than the Negev, um, because they wanted to go around Edom... Because Edom refused them passage. Yeah. So it's quite a long way out of the way, especially walking with a nation of upwards of 3 million people or whatever it would have been at that stage. Um, And they became impatient. And I, I can understand that. Looking at a map, it makes sense to me that they would be quite upset by the fact that they would have to walk for a week out of the way when resources were fairly tight. Yeah. Uh... Although it is quite frustrating, especially since this is the newer generation, or at least a lot of the older generation have died by this stage. Um, And so this may have even been one of the ways by which God allowed the older generation to die was to send these snakes into the people. Um, Now my, my translation says fiery serpents does yours. Same. All right. So it's, the dragon is it or Mushu? It definitely could
1: be Mushu, or it could be just serpents that dance, fiery. You know, oh yeah, like some yeah. Hispanic dance styles are very fiery dancing. Yes, so salsa it could be serpents. the fiery serpents. And so mm. everyone got really confused because they just wanted to dance with the serpents, and then they'd eat them. And be like, mm. man, I just wanted to dance.
0: That is quite a common problem in that part of the world. Very common problem. The Uh, dancing serpents. They bit the people and lots of people died. So, fiery serpents, maybe that's a translation of poisonous. Um, Uh,
1: It possibly could do, or it could be um, that when you ate them, they were spicy, like fiery serpents.
0: Mm, That's a spicy serpent.
1: That's a spicy serpent. Mm-hmm. And some of the people right. were trying to bite the serpent's back, like, you don't bite me, I bite you. And they're like, oh, so spicy.
0: <laughs> that was a mistake. And that's how they
1: died. Revenge. This is all a lesson in revenge.
0: Mm, yeah. So this is really interesting. The method by which God gives deliverance in, uh, at this moment in time is obviously foreshadowing Jesus being lifted up on the cross. And anyone that looks to Jesus will be healed. And I think Paul talks about that in one of his epistles, something like that. He does. Or yeah, or it might be in one of the gospels saying, if you look to the Son of Man, but it's probably the epistles. Uh, I don't know because we're not there yet. (laughs) Uh not that I've ever read them before. Um so make it out of bronze. A fiery serpent out of bronze. He wouldn't know unless he tasted it which uh he probably did and set it on a pole and if anyone bit by a serpent looks at it they will live that doesn't necessarily promise that they will be instantly healed though maybe they still have to undergo a period of uh, of healing yeah and think? how long
1: does it take to make a bronze serpent did they get bitten by the fiery serpents and then like four days later they're like oh there's the bronze serpent. i'll look at it like were they just sitting around in pain with spicy face? This is weird. I've never thought about this before. Like, God's like, make a serpent, and everyone's like, that's gonna take a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. All well, right. I, mean, I've, I've seen Avengers: Infinity War and uh, Stormbreaker. The the axe that Thor gets doesn't take very long to make. So It really doesn't. Maybe there was already a mold of a fiery serpent, or maybe a fiery serpent crawled into a soft mould and then it hardened around it and then it crawled oh, out. Ah, there you go. And then there was a perfect shape of the, the bronze, the uh, the fiery serpent in there. And they already so. had some bronze just sitting around. Yeah, well, this was the Bronze Age at this point. And oh, the Philistines, it was said later, were the uh, forerunners in the iron, uh, in iron warfare and making tools of iron. So, um, although there was something about one of Noah's cousin's Descendants or something like that. Anyway, uh, something to do with iron, but at this stage, bronze was the most available resource to the Israelites, and we know that from historical context. Uh, so he put it on a pole. Everyone looked at it. Survived, and so then there's this weird stuff at the well, um, and by weird, I mean it was it was pretty good. They camped <laughs> at a place in the Valley of Zared, There was a well. Uh and they made up songs about the well. Um they went to a place called Beer. That's pretty cool. It is a very good
1: place I've heard. Hmm. Their wells are uh, quite tasty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Um so at at the place called Beer, God tells Moses to gather everyone so that he will give them water. And that's where the song Spring Up, O wells. Sing to it the well that the princes made And that the nobles of the people dug With the serpent Sorry, with the scepter and with their staffs That's where that song comes from You know the one
1: Oh, I know it very well It's like, yeah, 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 scepters Why are they digging with <laughs> scepters? That makes no sense Make a shovel well,
0: Yeah <laughs> Maybe they fashion the end of it into a shovel Like go. people in prison do toothbrushes into shivs Um... <laughs> I've recently watched Oceans eight, so that's where that came from. Um Is it any good? so yeah, yeah, it was it was quite good. I think it was uh-huh. as good as Oceans eleven, maybe a little bit worse, but it was better than Oceans twelve and thirteen. Alright. So solid. Pretty decent. Um Alrighty. So then Israel sends messages to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, with the same message that they sent to the King of Edom. Where they said, let us go through your land. We're not going to harm you. We just want to pass through. We're not going to turn aside to a field or a vineyard. We're not going to go left or right. We won't drink any of your water. We won't eat any of your food. We're just going to go through your territory uh, peacefully. And Sihon's like, nah, get stuffed, you so and so. And so Israel's like, oh, man. All right. Uh, They go out against Israel with an army into the wilderness. And they get obliterated. They
1: get murked for show. They get murked
0: for show. So then what happens in uh, verse 24 is it says, Israel defeated Sihon by the edge of the sword and took possession of his lands. Nice. Um, from, From the Anon to the Jabbok as far as the Ammonites for the border of the Ammonites was strong. So this is Israel taking possession of the land. And not only defeating someone like they did with Arad, but they're actually claiming the lands of the places which they defeated as their own. Ooh. And the verse that I read at the start of this episode is proof to that, saying that they settled in the cities. Yep. Now, this is the first time since Egypt where Israel has had a, uh, a physical uh, stationary locale in which yep. to dwell. Um, which I think is uh, it's pretty cool, because it's proof that they are taking ground. Step by step, they're moving forward. Little by little, they're taking ground. Every prayer, powerful weapons, strongholds come, tumbling down and down and down. Um, uh, what was that? Have you heard, uh, we want to see Jesus lifted high? Uh, the bridge goes, step by step, we're moving forward. Little wow. by little, we're taking ground. Anyway.
1: I was going to um, sing step by step, day by day by day. You know that TV show? <laughs> that was great. Like Seventh Heaven, nope. except without Jesus. Um, all right. so
0: not good. Um, does yeah, this so mean how they, many of
1: them settled? All of them?
0: I don't know. Maybe it's they settled for a while. Well, I can tell you because it says in verse 31, Israel lived in the land of the Amorites. So this was them actually taking the land of some of the land of the Amorites for their own, and from there that kinda of acts as their base of operations against King Og. Um What a great guy. Yeah, good old King Og. Big old so most- Oggy Moses sent out spies again. This is not the first time. Obviously, we saw with the uh, the 12 spies that went out to look into the land. This time, Moses is sending out spies to check out Jazer, And they captured its villages and dispossessed the Amorites who were there. So this is, again, Israel taking more and more cities and villages and land for themselves as their inheritance, doing what God said to go in and obliterate what is before them and claim it as there's so nice this is pretty cool pretty cool um all right jeremy we are up to chapter 22 of numbers take it away
1: all right so chapter 22 of numbers so they're camping in the plains of moab and they've settled in the villages of the amorites and it looks like someone's a little jelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Moabite elders um, gather and say things like, this horde will now lick up all that is around us. So the ox, as the ox licks up the grass of the field, which is, I think, technically incorrect because the, lo- the ox
0: eats the grass, not licks it. But you Well, can I-, imag- I have a question about that. Yep. Do you drink soup or do you eat soup?
1: Uh, It depends on how thick the soup is and if I use a soup spoon or not. If I use a soup spoon, Mm. it's definitely eating.
0: Okay. But if I pick up the bowl and slurp it, it's
1: drinking. And if it's more chunky, then I use a fork. Oh, especially if I'm eating something like larksa, which is my favorite. You have to use Mm -hmm. a fork. There's so many things in it. Uh, So they imagine that this horde will just take everything. It'll strip the land, it'll make their lives not livable. Even if they don't attack them full on, they just see this horde he uses, which is like big group of people, will yep. come and take everything. So, they plan to take Balaam, the son of Beor, um, to curse these people. Come now, curse these people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I will be able to defeat them and drive them out. And he whom you curse is cursed. So they put a lot of stock in this guy Balaam, and I wonder what his backstory is. But they seem to well, think
0: that what? Well, he's a seer. Um, so he's essentially a prophet of the gods, the local gods, and so he he's like a a, a witch doctor, a not not a warlock, but you know that that type of inquirer of the gods and put curses on people and. That type of spiritual advisor for the uh, the local gods. Yep. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. So he must be pretty successful if all these political leaders are sending him to a huge gang of Israelites. Yeah. Uh, and then we see that this guy has God visit him. And God... Seems to think that this guy could be successful in his plans, and so thwarts him and tells him to not to not to go to them. Interesting. Yeah,
0: this is a this is a super weird uh, chapter, chapter twenty-two. Um, anybody that's familiar with the the overall narrative of Numbers is aware that this is the chapter with the talking donkey. Um, that's at least how I knew it in my Bible trivia mind. Uh, but looking into it a little deeper, it seems as though uh, Balak, Balak, whoops, that's mixing up the two names, um, we have, you yeah, have Balak, Balak uh, has a couple of princes go to, to Moab, no the princes of Moab, so that's Balak's sons most likely, uh, went to stay with the Sia Balaam and god Yahweh encounters Balaam and now this is probably unexpected for him on account of him being known to uh, as a local god seer a prophet of the local gods so the fact that he has Yahweh appear to him and say who are these guys and he's like uh these are the princes of Moab uh I there is a people that have come out of Egypt and it covers the face of the earth. And I want to, I've been instructed to go and curse them. And God says, don't go with these people to curse them. You will not curse the people for they are blessed. And so I think, uh, this is obviously foreshadowing what is to come when he eventually does overlook the nation and ends up uttering blessings instead of curses. Um, But do you think Balaam really, he would have cared about his people's safety, or at least his own physical safety, but do you think he uh, necessarily cared what God told him to say, or do you think he was just more concerned with saying exactly what God said?
1: Uh, I don't understand those two sentences that you just said. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think I did a very good job. Um, <laughs> let me try again. So Balaam's primary objective probably would have been ensuring his own safety, the safety yep. of his people, and getting paid by this king who's sending him out to curse these people. Yeah. What do you think is going through his head when he has Yahweh, the god of the people that he is being sent out to curse, stop him or at least instruct him to not curse them?
1: Uh, I wonder if it's like that moment of conviction we get from the Holy Spirit sometimes that he knew exactly who he was talking to and that he was the real God as opposed to the other gods he'd been talking to, Uh, because that would be quite a mind trip. if If your whole day and your whole life has been dedicated to, like speaking to people of power... And guiding them in certain ways that end with them making decisions that change the life of whatever the nation they were a part of at the time. And Mm -hmm. so I wonder if in that moment he was like, whoa, this is the God that I should worship and follow. Or if it was like, oh, this is just one of the crazy gods that I listen to anyway. And he's probably not as important because he's not my national God. So I'll just placate him a little bit and see Mm -hmm. what happens.
0: Well, in in verse 18, uh, after uh, Balak sends even more princes, more honorable than the previous ones, to Balaam to uh, persuade him to go and curse Israel, Balaam's response is really interesting. He says, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more than than what he's instructed. Swapped teams. Uh, it seems as though that has happened so that that just makes me wonder what is his what are the gods that he's been inquiring of is if he's claiming Yahweh is his own and he's actually saying Yahweh's name here because it's the small capitalized letters of Lord it seems as though uh, he might be in a similar situation to what Jethro the priest of Midian was where he was kind of he believed in Yahweh and honored Yahweh, but maybe he had some other cultural things that he was a part of as well, like a yeah. slightly mixed religion, um, like something you might find in some places in uh, Catholic South America, where there's a mixture of the local pagan religions and Catholicism in some yeah. some places, superstition and stuff. Maybe he was a bit like that where he... Maybe if everything uh, was right down the line, he would fall on the side of Yahweh's team, but he's sometimes batting for the other team.
1: Yeah, and I, you've got to think that he did, because mm-hmm. culturally he has been that his whole life, yep. unless he had some like Pauline type revolution of faith.
0: You mean like Pauline Hansen?
1: Yes, where he, she's like, I don't like it.
0: Please explain. He
1: doesn't like it at all. But then, where does he run off with his donkey? I always thought the story was that God told him to do something and he did like the Jonah of like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But mm-hmm. is he running off to tell the Israelites what he was supposed to tell them?
0: Yeah, so this is, this is the part that it, it confuses me. And every time I read through this story, I always get hung up on uh, verse 20. Of chapter 22. um, Oh, and and verse 21. So, God comes to Balaam at night again. And says, if these men come to call you, go with them. Yeah. But only do as I tell you. So, this is after God has said, don't go with these men. Um, So, it seems as though his previous instruction was to test Balaam's allegiance. Yeah. And Balaam came out on the side of honoring God's word as opposed to being persuaded by riches so now God is saying great you've passed that test now if they come to you again go with them but only do as I say um, what do you think the Bible means when it says in verse 22 but God's anger was kindled because he went I
1: wonder if it was his heart attitude of Either fear or mistrust or even outright rebellion. Like, yeah, I'll go with them, but I'm not telling them what you tell me. And God knew that. because Right, so he's going back on it. Yeah, God doesn't usually kindle his anger against people who are doing exactly what he told them to do. (laughs) Like, that's not God's MO. So, and then when you look through the story, I don't think you... Like, the donkey does his thing before he gets to communicate anything. So, it's not like he's going in the wrong direction, and it's not like he's saying the wrong things yet. So, it has to be an attitude thing, right?
0: It's Yeah, it seems as though it is because of what the donkey ends up saying. Spoiler alert to Balaam. Um, so, the donkey can see the angel of the Lord... The angel of the Lord is standing in the way of Balaam as he's going. And it seems as though, based on what the donkey says later, when he says, why have you hit me? Um, Can't you see there's the angel of the Lord? Then Balaam's eyes are opened. Um, It seems as though his heart attitude isn't right. If he was truly going in the name of Yahweh, as opposed to going in the name of the promised riches, then... Uh, or at least the notoriety or, or whatever he was going uh, motivated by. It seems as though his response to the donkey disobeying being a violent response is showing his cards a bit. Maybe. Well, yeah, definitely. So so the donkey sees the angel and refuses to go forward. And so then uh, Balaam... Okay, so Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and he said, and she said, sorry, to Balaam, it's a female donkey, obviously, Uh, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said, because you have made a fool of me, I personally would have just been freaking out that the donkey was talking. Yeah. And so, okay, so he's concerned about his uh how he looks in the eyes of these people that he's going with, these servants of the king of Moab it seems. Yep. So he's more concerned with his reputation than he is with obeying God. So maybe that's the reason that God's anger was kindled, because he knew that Balaam was going, but he would be he would feel under pressure by the people he's going with to uh to follow through with their demands, not God's. Interesting. Hmm. So it's only when God opens the eyes of Balaam and he sees the angel of the Lord that he bows down and falls on his face. And the angel of the Lord uh, confronts him like the donkey did and says, why have you struck your donkey three times? Yep. I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. So... That could either be his heart attitude in this current situation, or it could be that his uh, his lifestyle as a seer of the gods as opposed to a prophet of the Lord mm. is perverse to God. What do you think?
1: Um, I think it's also interesting that he uses the words, so I will turn back. Mm. And I wonder if that's saying like, repentance is that 180 turn so I will turn back from my attitude I'll turn back from my life as a mm-hmm. seer of other gods uh, because I always read it like oh he's going to turn back to a different location and he was going in the wrong way but then it right. the whole way the story tracks the same people are with him and he's going to the same place yep so that's weird
0: yeah, lots of back and forth with this guy, but it seems as though it's in order to get his heart attitude right before he's uh, in the correct place in order to bless Israel, as opposed to um, being in the correct location. It's, a, it's God being concerned oh, with his heart. Interesting.
1: Whereas in the book of Jonah, it seemed like he just wanted him to go say the thing.
0: Yes, because God was able to work through what Jonah would say, even if Jonah's heart wasn't in it. Yeah. Whereas in this, um, if Balaam's heart wasn't in it, he wasn't going to say what God wanted him to say. But Jonah was. Does that make sense? Yep, definitely. So if Balaam's heart wasn't in this blessing, then he would have cursed them. Yep. And God wouldn't allow that. So that's the difference, it seems, between... Balaam and Jonah it's uh not only a a, an occupational thing um but it's also the heart attitude so here we see Balaam do a better job than Jonah even though what he would do if left to his own volition would have been worse Heaps worse um so Balaam finally meets up with Balak and he goes hey man I've come to you um Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. And so then Balaam goes with Balak uh, to Kiriath Hazoth, which sounds like somewhere in Middle Earth. Uh, But the ESV study Bible says that the location is not known, so it probably was Middle Earth. And it says that Balak sacrificed oxen sheep and sent for Balaam and the princes who were with him. And then they went up to Bamoth Baal, and there he saw a fraction of the people. So Numbers 23 is Balaam's first oracle. Um, And it's interesting because his oracle that he utters against supposedly Israel, he's just saying everything that's happened. He says that Balak sent me uh, to come and curse Jacob denounce israel and then he says but how can i curse what god hasn't how can i denounce what the lord has not denounced for from the top of the crags i i see him from the hills i behold him behold the people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations who can count the dust of jacob or number the fourth part of israel let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his so what an oracle I mean What
1: an oracle
0: <laughs> He gets to the end of it and he goes And I want the same fate as them The end <laughs> And Balak's end. like what the heck have you done What have you done <laughs> to me I told you to curse my enemies And look you've blessed them And then Balaam's like I must take care not to speak Against what God puts in my mouth So then Balak tells him again To, uh, to curse Israel And Jeremy what happens this time Excuse me, I just... I
1: just... (coughs) I just coughed and inhaled at the same time. That was a weird experience. Uh, He pretty much does the same, but he points out how good God is. Like, God is not a man, that he should lie. He should Mm -hmm. not change his mind. Um, He has spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Yep. And then he starts to um, talk about the command that he was told to bless... Um, Mm -hmm. That a king may come out of them, that there is no enchantment against Jacob, that yeah, the people of God aren't cursed. And then Balak says to Balaam, do not curse them at all and do not bless them at all. (laughs) As in, you've just said what is real. And then he says, did I not tell you all that the Lord says that I must do? So he's like sticking to the plan of speaking where God speaks and not speaking where God doesn't speak. Good on him. And then they go up to the top of Peor, which overlooks the desert. Yep. And Balaam says to build seven altars and prepare seven bulls and seven rams. And mm-hmm. he offers a bull and a ram on each altar. And I wonder if that's part of their culture or if God led him in that
0: to hmm.
1: bless God. Um, and I imagine... I'm sure if the, we
0: were remembering our sacrifices well enough, we would remember what the seven bulls and the seven rams were instructed in well, well, seven is like the
1: complete number
0: yeah and so then maybe both he's saying
1: those which for different things
0: maybe it's in order to ensure that this is the the biggest and best oracle yep what, whatever he says, this is gonna be exactly what God wants because i'm giving him the best bulls and the best rams, yeah. Um, Then he has
1: a third oracle And it seems similar (laughs) Like how lovely are your tents Like palm groves Water shall flow from his buckets God brings him out of Egypt He shall eat up the nations His adversaries And so it seems like a blessing Mm. of Future gain and future blessing On the people of Israel
0: Yeah he's he's prophesying now He's not just speaking a blessing But he's prophesying what's going to happen
1: Yeah And then Balak gets angry. And
0: um, Why not? I mean, who wouldn't get angry if you've just told someone to do something in order to ensure your country's safety? Then they're like, uh, sorry, it's not going to happen. In fact, it's going to be so good for them that you guys are going to get wiped out. Yeah.
1: And he's almost in disbelief. I called you to curse my enemies and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Yeah. And he seems to take back his promise of giving him a house and riches. And. Whoa, uh, to do either good or. Yeah, yeah. And then Balaam repeats that he's just saying what God told him to say. And then he starts a final oracle. Mm -hmm. This guy's just like oracling all over the place.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if, like, Jonah, how the final chapter of Jonah, where he's looking out over. Nineveh, and it's not being destroyed. And uh, I wonder if that—we'll get to that eventually. Whether that is just a moment in Jonah's life—that it's it's the lowest moment in his life, but he never has any other moments like that. It only lasts yeah. for a little while, and then he's back up to being a prophet in Israel. Yep. Um, and whether this is the high moment in Balaam's life, whether this only happens once, yep. God uses him incredibly, and then he goes back to whatever he's done. Um regardless, he ends on a high note, essentially uh speaking the goodness of God not only over Israel but over God himself and saying it back to god and he'll and he further prophesies that moab's going to get destroyed um ye but not only moab this is uh in the the previous oracle he said that um Israel is stronger than agag and, and other people that are the kings in the surrounding areas uh but now he's saying that moab's going to get destroyed edom's going to be dispossessed uh and jacob is going to go through every part of this land and exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of cities and it says that he looks to amalek and takes up his discourse and says amalek was the first among the nations but its end is utter destruction. And then he prophesies demise over the Kenites. Um, And then he says, uh, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come from Kittim and shall afflict Ashur and Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam rose and went back to his place, and Balak also went his way, so it's interesting. He it just like that, shrugs and walks away. Like, all right, see ya. Well, yeah, well, we we did see in uh, in verse uh, ten or eleven, um, Balak says to Balaam, "I told you to do this, and you've done the opposite. So just leave. I'm not going to give you anything, but I'm also not going to destroy you because you haven't really done anything." And that yeah. was that was before he prophesied the destruction of Moab. Um, so it was Balak being kind of gracious and saying, you haven't done what I want, but I'm going to give you this chance to leave. But you've lost all respect among my people. Yeah. Um, and Balaam yeah, his response to that is not only, thanks, I'll be out of here, but also just one last thing before I go. Blur, the ultimate yep. prophecy of blessing and everything Possession of the land The inheritance of God The fulfillment of the promise He's saying all this stuff that has been prophesied By God himself Going all the way back to Abraham yep. um, And we, I guess, it to assume that uh, Balaam doesn't know about these prophecies They just know that Israel's is coming out of Egypt And they're looking for someone to live And yeah. so he's saying not only are they going to take possession of the land, but he also said that uh, the dust of Jacob is innumerable. And so he's saying that there are so many people in the nation of Israel uh, that it is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave Abraham about making a great nation out of him. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I feel like it's a culmination of so many things uh, that God is using an outsider to say exactly the same thing and confirm the blessing of Israel.
1: Yeah, and you wonder if any of this news got back to Israel at the time. Like, who uh, wrote you'd, this down?
0: Yeah, you would have to think that that it who would Who knew have. about this? Well, I wonder if Balaam went to them. I mean, oh, true. Balaam went back to his place. We don't really know where that is. It could have been at uh, somewhere starting with P, but... Um, I guess that's a study for another time, uh, about whether or not Israel went through his location, but it would make sense that if God worked through him and he kind of kindled a fire in Balaam's heart to be a prophet of the Lord most high that Balaam would seek out that community with the nation that reveres God. Right. Yeah.
1: Yes, definitely. Sorry. I was away from the microphone. Uh, uh, I- Definitely believe something happened, but I'm just curious how.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Hey, if anyone out there knows, any of our listeners, or I I want to coin a new phrase here, any of our readers, because it's scripture read badly, which is, it's obviously a play on words because it's a listening medium. If any of our readers have have any information about how Balaam's story got into the Bible, then let us know. You can let us know in a variety of different places. You can just come visit me. You can let Just us know in Lithuania, me. you can let us know in Australia, in Vilnius or the Gold Coast, respectively. Um, also, we're on social media. You can go to com, and there's some stuff there. Um, oh, I've started blogging again. Oh, have you? I, um, I've got to teach
1: uh, Esther and Jeremiah in a country I'm not allowed to say. And so I'm starting to blog through Esther just to get my head around it. So I'm blogging on each chapter. So check out DonateTrash.com if you want.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, I haven't uh, I haven't got any any new blog posts up on on my blog site. But if you want to go to Ryan Winslade Videography and Composition, you can check out some videos I've done recently. <laughs> yeah. I did a short film. It was fun. I've recently done a lyric video to one of my silly spoken words inspired by The Legend of Zelda as well, so that's fun too. Um, But you can go to patreon.com slash scripturereadbadly if you want to become a member of our Patreon community and get a podcast episode bonus one. Or you can go to
1: iTunes and give us sweet love on iTunes. Yes, please. Is that how they do it?
0: Yeah, you go to iTunes, type in Sweet Love for Scripture and Badly, and I think that's how it works. Yeah, dot com. Uh, Leave leave us a review, a rating, make them good, uh, and that would be amazing. You could be among the first to do that. And if we like your (laughs) review enough, then we'll get in touch and see if we can uh, brighten your day. Give you kisses or just
1: steal one of your children. Yeah, that's basically
0: it. Um, I'll give you some advice, Jeremy, if you want to key up a, a blessing. For the uh, the listeners Uh, Some advice from this chapter is uh, If God tells you to do something You You should do it Uh, (laughs) Even if it doesn't make sense And he tells you to go back And then go forward Then go back and forward And also treat your pet donkeys kindly Because you never know If they're just going to turn around And talk out of their ass
1: (laughs) 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 Classic
0: Alright, well my name is Ryan
1: And my name is Jeremy And may your tents and your encampments And your palm groves And your gardens be beside Flowing rivers for the rest of your life
0: Amen